It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast, presented by FantasyPoints.com. Just use the glorious code FEAST, all capital letters, so you can go against me and Joe in our July Best Ball 10 draft. I'm just about coming up on my 10th round pick here in our June Best Ball 10 draft. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, bunch of podcasts. Booger McFarland and Andrew Brandt were awesome on the Ross Tucker football podcast this week, yesterday. We actually talked a little bit about betting on golf. I just bet for the biggest dude. I just bet on DeChambeau. That's that's my only rule for betting on golf. And we talked about what Cam Newton means for the New England Patriots season win total on the Even Money podcast. But I must admit, I am not the star of this show. That is Joe Dolan at FG underscore Dolan. He is the man, owner everything surveyor editor whatever fantasypoints.com code feast that's the key and speaking of fantasypoints.com code feast we've got joe two more winners our first two winners for the july best ball 10 draft kevin herb who is relentless not only did he sign up at fantasypoints.com code feast He's emailed me like four times with Amazon purchases, other things, relentless. And Sean Davis emailed me. He's in as well. Not only did he sign up at FantasyPoints.com, Code Feast, but he had a story uh, that overwhelmed me. And so he's in as well. So we're going to have four more episodes in the month of July, which means every episode here we will announce two new winners for our july best ball 10 draft and remember in august that's the big daddy of them all that's the rose bowl if you will that's the season long league you can enter to be in against me and joe uh joe good morning good afternoon whatever happy to have you it's morning still here, Ross. Uh, it's the same with you. I don't know when people are going to be watching this, but it's good. It's good to be with you. Um, you might notice that throughout uh, the the next uh, couple of weeks, the uh, the room behind me is going to get gradually emptier because I am moving to South Carolina in three weeks. You and I probably should have to have a talk about that, Ross, because my schedule might be a little thrown off. But uh, but I will always have time for drafting. I will I will absolutely guarantee you that on my phone. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, I think I'm on deck in, in our, in our current best ball 10, um, which has been a, a room full of sharks as, as I might imagine, I'm not getting really any good values, but, uh, but it, it's been a lot of fun and, and certainly it, it'll be fun for, uh, for our, our listeners to, to join in, compete against us. It's the best, the mock draft is dead, Ross. The fantasy mock draft is dead. They're useless. You have to play best ball. I cannot wait. Next week, we'll go over our June draft, and you can tell me where I went wrong, where you went wrong, because that is real-life experience and the decisions that all of our listeners are making right now and will be making in August. I don't use this word loosely. I think I used it for John Hansen, and I'm going to use it for today's guest, Joe, and that is Greg Ambrosius. 
at Greg Ambrosius on Twitter. I mentioned earlier, you said it, Joe. You can see us now. We have our own YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And intern Casey does a great job of posting the clips to our Twitter and Instagram at Ross Tucker Pod. And I'm glad we have intern Casey because Greg Ambrosius, A, is a living legend in the fantasy industry. And B, his background is awesome. Like, I have actual NFL game balls behind me that, like, I got. I have helmets. Joe has fantasy points, and he's all swagged out. And yet here we got a guy coming on as a guest, Greg Ambrosius, at Greg Ambrosius on Twitter, and he's got a Clay Matthews fathead and a Packers fathead right over each of his shoulders. Greg, that is legit, my friend. Hey, Aaron Rodgers' fathead is right here to my right as well. So the whole office is geared to this. I mean, I've lived my whole life here in Wisconsin, 60 years, and people are like, why do you still live there? It's because I have an umbilical cord attached to Lambeau Field. My dad bought season tickets in 1958. So they've been in our family for, what's that, 62 years. And uh, it's now under my name now that my dad's passed away. But the Packers are embedded in our soul I bleed green and gold. It's everything to me. So I got to say two things just off of that, Greg. First of all, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. I love the state of Wisconsin. Like (laughs) if I didn't live in Pennsylvania, I'd probably live in Wisconsin. Let's start with the fact that how much they care about the Badgers and Packers, which I love. Then let's get to their food groups, okay? Beer, ice cream. Brats, cheese, like these are my people. And they happen to be the nicest people in the history of the world. It's crazy. Like I went to Madison one time, Greg was walking up and down State Street. I mean, like every other restaurant or store is either an ice cream or a beer place. And then you get to the student union, Joe, on campus. I know Joe's a Penn State guy. I love Penn State Joe. But the student union at Wisconsin is on the water and they sell beer and brats there. I would have gone to class exactly zero times my whole time in Wisconsin if I had been a Badger. Well, I'll say one thing. I asked you if you've ever been to Lambeau Field and you said not. So I'm going to have to take you as a guest, I think, someday because the experience of Lambeau Field is so fantastic. It was built right in the middle of the city. So there's homes all the way around Lambeau Field. So you park in the backyard of people's homes. Yes, there's a parking lot there, but it only holds about 20,000 people right now. And so you're always parking in people's backyard. Everybody's tailgating together. It's such an experience. And then you can't get out after the game because the traffic is too much. So you refry. You do it all over again, and you stay for another two hours. So it's it's a 12-hour day when you go to a Packer game. I've never been to Lambeau Field. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you're – go ahead, Joe. I've never been to Lambeau Field. I've never even been to Wisconsin. So this is is actually sounding really appealing because, frankly, to me, places and things sound really fun right now, sound really appealing. Uh, So uh, I need to get out to Lambeau at some point. Yeah, but, Joe, Ross made it sound good in Wisconsin in the summer and the fall. He he hasn't been here in December and January. That's pretty damn bad here. 
The only place I'd want to be in Wisconsin in December and January is Lambeau because I feel like I would get the experience, but I really hate snow. I hate it. Like, I've lived in Pennsylvania and New Jersey my entire life. I'm moving to South Carolina in a couple of weeks, and if I never see another snowflake, I'll I'll be happy. Like, so I really hate snow. So summer sounds good in Wisconsin. You can have it in December and January, though. I'll tell you, the best game I ever was at at Lambeau Field was 2007 playoff game against Seattle. It was a game they won at home, and it started snowing. It was 32 degrees, and it started snowing right before the start of the game. And it was just comfortable, warm, and it was snowing. You felt like you were in a snow globe. And Favre was fantastic that game. I think we won 45-14, to 14, then lost to the Giants the next week when it was below zero, and Tom Coughlin's face got all frostbite. But uh, that Seattle game, it was like watching it in a snow globe. It was just heaven. It really was. So we're going to get into your 31 years in the fantasy industry, which is insane, Greg. And we're also going to get your best ball tips and your high stakes tips momentarily. But you got to tell me first, I I just got to ask you this. He signed his contract this week. It's four years, fully guaranteed. I need to know as a Packers fan, your thoughts on them taking Jordan Love in the first round of the draft. I have to be honest with you, I was watching it that night and I went right into the bathroom. I thought I was going to throw up. I mean, I am a Packers fan through and through, and I'll trust the management here. I think Goody knows what he's doing, but it's too early. I mean, he signed for four more years. He wants to play till he's 42, 43. He's going to be like Brady. He's not going to be able to walk away from it. It's like Favre. He kept saying he was going to retire. He couldn't walk away from it. This is what they do. And I thought it was too early. I mean, this team isn't one player away from winning it all. But damn it, we went to the NFC Championship game. Certainly a wide receiver. Certainly a linebacker. Patrick Queen, I thought if they were going to move up, I mean, Patrick Queen would have been a perfect linebacker for them. I think uh, it was premature. Now, that being said, there's certain bloggers who really break down the tape. And if you watch some of Jordan Love from 2018, He makes throws like Patrick Mahomes. I hate to say that, but really some weird angles, throw a strong arm. Then 2019 made really bad decisions. There's just some very, very bad uh, interceptions. So I do think Goody is thinking, listen, we could go from Favre to Rodgers to Love for 45 years. The Bears have gone through 45 quarterbacks in 45 years. This would be a great transition. But Rodgers is a snowflake emotionally, and he could take this the wrong way. He could take it the right way, but he could take it the wrong way too. And uh, that's what I'm worried about. But uh, I didn't like the pick. I really didn't. But I hope for 15 years from now we're talking about it and I'm wrong. So, Greg, you now work for Sports Hub Games Network. Right. And I mentioned you're going to give tips both for best ball and high stakes and greg is the guy that gets us all hooked up with the free entries for best ball tens the ones that you guys are going to fantasypoints.com using the code feast to try to enter um greg's the one that sets all that up so he's the man with the plan so i guess the question first is what is sports hub games network and how are you both a best ball and a high stakes expert or at least able to give tips on both Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I started the high stakes in 2004. I was working with a company called Krause Publications. But here's what's happened, Ross. 
the government's gotten involved where they want to license everybody. And why do they want to license everybody? Because they saw FanDuel and DraftKings just taking every single ad on ESPN in 2016. And the legislators sitting home were like, holy cow, we're not getting any of that money. And they felt that every fantasy game operator was FanDuel and DraftKings, and they could take some money from them. So they started passing laws that we couldn't allow certain residents like Pennsylvania and New York unless we got licensed in those states. Now, we're not doing anything illegal. We're being a legitimate company. There's a federal law called UEJA that was passed in 2006, and you have to guarantee the prizes. You have to do a whole lot of things. We are following that. But all these states are now, it's a money grab. And so game operators like MyFantasyLeague.com, they were called MFL10s.com. You remember that. This company was running them, but they had to get licensed in 18 different states. And a $10 product where you make $5 on each league wasn't economical. And so they felt that they couldn't go anymore. Our company was started in 2017 by a guy by the name of Rob Fithy, and he's in the Hall of Fame as well. He's been in the industry since 94, 95. And he felt it was time to put all pay-to-play games, fantasy games, under one umbrella. You get one licensed, and now you do the high stakes, you do the best ball tens, you do season long, you do all of this. So we're kind of in a buying mode, Ross. We're trying to combine a lot of pay-to-play fantasy games under one umbrella so that we have to pay one stupid state license for all of our companies. And that's really how it came about. Got it. Okay, that that makes sense. Joe, do you got something? Yeah, Greg. So um, I want to bring it into the modern day here. You're obviously talking about the laws, but um, obviously we have something going on in this country right now. You might have heard about it. Um, And the fantasy industry, it's a it's a big time business. It's a customer service business. It's an entertainment business. And our industry is completely built on these games being played. So could you talk about some of the challenges that you've had? And I know this is a fantasy football podcast, uh, but um, with with uh, the baseball contest at the NBC, um, with with the NFFC, what what are some of the the meetings and the contingencies and and the decisions that you've had to make in the current in the current climate? Yeah, that's a good question, Joe. I mean, we run the National Fantasy Baseball Championship. It's a high stakes baseball. We've done it since two thousand and four. Uh, between all our high stakes, we've given away over $54 million since 2004. And baseball, we are really the only game in town. We have a fantastic game, a 15-team league format. It's very difficult. And our guys are just so committed. So over the last 16 years in baseball, we've given away $25 million. And we were having a record year. I mean, sign- we had 15,000 teams signed up in high stakes. And we were going to New York City to host the live events in Manhattan, right across the street from Madison Square Garden. Flew there on March 12th. They had the Big East tournament, cancel it at halftime of one of the games. And it was like apocalyptic. People were just running everywhere to get taxis. Everything was being shut down. We had to shut down our contest the day before the live events. We had contests at the Bellagio in Las Vegas. We had to cancel them. We've canceled all of our contests that already had drafted because it's a 60 game season right now. It's just not fair. And we refunded three and a half million dollars 
because we didn't think it was fair for the customers to play a 60 game season when they felt they were going to play 162 game season. So we are now revving up new games and trying to get new revenue, but uh, it could be lethal for us. I mean, it really could. Right now, football is red hot. We have never had the signups like we have right now on Best Ball 10s and on the National Fantasy Football Championship. I mean, we're going to blow everything out, but we could end up refunding everybody. And what people don't realize, we have credit card fees. We still pay the licensing. They still charge us that. We have 10 people working on this product full time. We have salaries. So it's scary. It is very, very scary for our whole industry. And content could go under. Games could go under. It's scary right now. But we're moving forward and hoping that uh, hoping our country and our government gets a little smarter. Yeah, Greg, well said. Um, I, I shudder to think what could happen to a lot of different industries, quite yep. frankly, media, otherwise. Right. If there's no football season, um, it's scary. I guess the good news is on some level right now, at least, there are some sporting events out there. There's NASCAR, golf. Yesterday right. on the Even Money podcast, we talked about betting on golf, and you can do it at DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience the Rocket Mortgage Classic is coming up. I mentioned this on the show yesterday. I just like dudes that look like they played football when I bet golf. I like Kepka and DeChambeau. And guess what? It turns out I know what I'm talking about when it comes to golf. The bottom line here is dudes that look awesome, look like they could play a linebacker, at least serve their country and played high school football. Yeah, they're good at golf too. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code ROSS when you sign up, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Here's the part Joe likes. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You're not supposed to buy beer until you're 21. Um, there are some states now where you can buy weed. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, I can I, I can do 10 minutes on the disclaimer voice right there, Joe. I, I want to get back into fantasy, and I want to talk – Greg, you kind of, I'm kind of intrigued by the high stakes thing now. So explain to me the high stakes thing and what your tips are for people that are listening that might have that kind of disposable income. Yeah, our high stakes is unbelievable. I mean, we started in 2004 with a $1,250 entry fee. And I just thought, as Joe knows, back at that time, a lot of companies were going with free. They wanted the names, they wanted customers, then they would sell advertising online or whatever. But there was starting to be a trend where people were tired of their local leagues because it came down to trading. Some guy would make some weird trade in your local league. Your buddy would win the title that way. And you're like, I'm sick of this, you know. And so I started the National Fantasy Baseball Championship as a pay contest, $1,250 entry fee. But it was all live. You had to come to Las Vegas and draft live. We did some in Chicago draft live, New York draft live. And we held simultaneous events. And the first year was a great idea, $100,000 grand prize, but people were skeptical and we did not sell out. 
And I'm not kidding you, I'd never been more stressed in my life. I had worked for a company that was an employee-owned company. So not only was our company losing money, but people who I work with, our employees were gonna lose money on this. My wife worked there, so she was gonna lose money on this thing. But we guaranteed the prizes. We ran a first rate event. The contest was fantastic. And the next year we sold it out. And every year since then, we've sold out that contest and we've added more and more. Now we've got a lot of online championships, $350 entry fee, win $200,000. In football, our National Fantasy Football Championship has live events at the Bellagio in Las Vegas. We're in Manhattan at the Stewart Hotel. And we have many different national contests that have $200,000 grand prize, $200,000 grand prize, $100,000 grand prize, $80,000 grand prize. So a lot of different formats, 10 team, 12 team, 14 team. It's wild. Joe knows. It's just wild. And again, we'll have 15 to 20,000 teams. One of our contests is the platinum, $20,000 entry fee, 12 teams, $170,000 league prize. Some people have more discretionary income than we do, but there are people out there who love the game, have a little more income, have confidence in themselves that they can put 20 down to win 170,000. And that's where this market is going right now. And uh, we have people from lawyers and doctors to just normal people who just love to play. We have customers who their dads, they bring their sons to their contests. They're sitting there with their nine-year-old and they let him announce the picks. It's it's a fabulous hobby. And it's but Greg, how do we win? How do we win? What are the tips? Like, what, what are the keys in a best ball draft? Well, I'll give you the best ball. If I knew the keys to high stakes, I'd be on the other side of the table. I'd be winning over there instead of running it. I can't compete with our guys. Joe knows. These guys are serious, and they're subscribing to FantasyPoints.com. They've been following John Hansen forever. That's what they do. And so I can't give you points there. Best ball is a fantastic game, and there's different strategies for that. Best ball, you draft, you sit back, and the computer picks your op optimal lineup every year or every week. So you have to take guys like maybe Deshaun Jackson, who isn't a great player in starting them every week, but he could go off one week and then get you a zero the next week. Well, that's good. That's what you want, right? You know, McCall Hardman is one of these guys who I think can go off. I always like Tariq Hill because he could go off one week but then he doesn't have a lot of consistent points. Tom and I talked in our Sirius XM show yesterday. Who would you take, Julio Jones or Tyreek Hill? They're both going right next to each other in season-long drafts. I'd take Julio in season-long because every week he just seems to get five, six, seven catches. He'll get you 15 to 25 points. But Tyreek could give you a 30-point game, a 40-point game. That's the type of strategy that you use in best ball that's different from season-long uh, leagues. Uh, Greg, one of the things that uh, NFFC players have to navigate in some of your contests is uh, the third round reversal. And um, people who aren't familiar with it, I think uh, high stakes players, people who have been in the industry like, like I have for a while, um, are very familiar with the concept and where it came from. But third round reversal um, in, in your big time contest, could you explain what that means to, to the listeners who might just be hearing about the NFFC in your contests? Yeah, third round reversal is for the customers. It balances out all 12 draft picks. So if you played fantasy football in 2005 and 2006, you know that if you got the number one pick and you took LaDainian Tomlinson, you were winning. Plain and simple. He was that dominant. And before him, Priest Holmes was like that. Marshall Falk was like that. 
it was the luck of the draw almost as much as anything else. And if you got the first pick, you were going to do very well. And so we felt we were running a 14-team contest at that point. And if you got picked 13 or 14, as soon as the draft spots came out, I got phone calls saying, I'm done. I can't win. You can't win from 13 and 14. So we were like, how can we balance this out? So we had heard about third-round reversal, and we instituted it in 2007. Basically what it does is go 1 to 14 in round 1, 14 to 1 in round 2, then back to 14 and go 14 to 1 in round 3. Over the last 13 years, the number of league champions in our 14 team, and we use it in our 12 team as well, is consistent. It'll be three from this spot, three, three, four, two, two, two. It's unbelievable how that is balanced out. And we use it in basketball as well because there was a time when LeBron was the number one and there were other guys. It, it just balances out. So in 12-team league, 1 to 12, 12 to 1, 12 to 1, then serpentine from that point on. And it really balances out every draft spot. That's interesting. I, I did not know a lot about that, Greg. I'm glad Joe asked you that. Joe, I got a question for you while we're on with Greg, and that is, why are you not dominating these high-stakes leagues? You know as much as anyone. Put, <laughs> yeah, I, put the money up, Joe, and cash in. Well, for, for first and foremost, I'm actually doing a high-stakes leagues, a bunch of them this year. Um, I had to beat Joe Dolan last year with the NFFC when I was with Fantasy Free Agents, and also um, I've, been doing, I've been doing the cut line. I've been also doing the best ball championships, and I think, Greg, probably closer to the season – uh, we'll be getting involved in some of the uh, some of the season long kind of formats that have full waivers and setting your lineups and all that stuff. But uh, Ross, I just got I got to fully admit it. Like some of the high stakes guys, and Greg knows this. You can know as much as anybody about fantasy, but the high stakes guys, you have to be able to be willing a to execute what might be considered a ludicrous strategy, right. um, and, and and be very. Uh, and be very confident in doing so. And you have to not be able to be afraid to go against the grain. And, you know, one of the things that I used to really hate doing was when I get done with a draft is posting. I like to be transparent. uh, Ross, you'll see me. I'll post best ball results on my Twitter all the time. And, it, one of the things you have to be able to, to to withstand if you do that is everybody's going to tell you your team sucks. Like, yeah. like you could have Saquon Barkley, George Kittle, um, Prime Jerry Rice, and <laughs> and um, and Lamar Jackson on your team, and somebody will tell you your team sucks on Twitter. Um, and then, you know, sometimes people say stuff like, you know, those receivers are weak, and you look at it and you're like, yeah, they kind of are. But you have to be confident in your strategy, and you have to be able to be confident in saying – Look, I know my team looks different after a draft, but there's a reason I did this. There was a method to my madness. And I think the high-stakes players, and Greg, you know this well, they're able to get over the mental block of executing a strategy. And maybe they can't put it into words perfectly, um, and maybe they're not interested in putting it into words the way I am. That's, you know, I talk a lot. I write a lot. That's what I do. But maybe they're not interested in that. They just want to play. Um, I'm sure you see a lot of off-the-wall strategies. I'm sure 0RB was was popular in NFFC formats before it ever made it to the mainstream. What can you tell us about that in terms of in terms of the successful high-stakes players? Yeah, it was uh, Sean Siegley who did that in our event where he went his first four or five picks were all wide receivers. And at that point, it was tough for that three-down back to be on many teams. 
And PPR was getting wide receivers at 20 to 22 points per game. And the running backs were really at 16 to 18. So he loaded up with four wide receivers and uh, he just dominated. In fact, not only did he win our 150,000 grand prize at that time, he took second as well. He had multiple teams and he just killed. And he was on Rotoviz and he still is and he talks about it. But at that time, the wide receivers in PPR, people just weren't catching on that they were getting three to four or five more points in the top running backs at that point. So he loaded up. And again, he gambled. Here's the thing with high stakes, and you mentioned it, Joe. They're confident. These guys are gamblers. They're not afraid to take a chance on an injured guy who might come back or a second-year wide receiver who they think is going to break out this year. I draft baseball with a buddy of mine named Sean Childs, who's in our Hall of Fame. I can't stand drafting with him. We're in auctions. I hate it. I hate every second of it, and people know it because he takes chances all the time that I just can't do. I'm more conservative as a drafter. I really am. These guys are not afraid to bump guys up two rounds from their ADP, and they do that. Right. And when you, we always say, when you get to the live events throughout the ADPs, because these guys are going to get the guys that they think are going to break out this year. Now, Greg, allow me to follow up, Ross. Um, uh, so last year in the NFFC, for sure, I think robust RB probably actually, because there were so few major running back injuries. The waiver wire was yeah. as barren all year as it's been just kind of the ebb and flow of fantasy. Yeah. Um, but one other thing that what you were talking about kind of stands out to me, and I'm not really sure, um, this, this, uh, can apply to kind of just your season long leagues where you're playing 25 bucks with your buddies, but is there any utility to finishing sixth in an NFFC league? Like, it, it, does anybody give you credit for that? Like, it, so you're what you're basically saying is your players, the best players, are are not afraid to finish twelfth, correct? Because they think that means they they have a better shot to finish first. They're not afraid to swing for the fences because occasionally they'll hit a home run. Correct. So we do keep lifetime standings, which is important to our guys. They want to finish, you know, in lifetime standings. Once you've been in 16, 17 years, they don't worry about finishing last. They are taking their chances because they are going to try to win it all. I mean, not only first in their league, they're hitting the home run for the overall titles. That's what they're playing for. Well, Greg, most importantly, we want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, your email and your background and you, I mean, you have been... Uh, a pioneer in the industry, which is why I said you are a legend. We are all very appreciative of the best ball tens. I'm either going to take Robbie Anderson or Brashad Perriman with my next pick. I, I evidently like Robbie Anderson, Brashad Perriman more than anybody out there. I don't know. I don't care. I do. So I'm doing it. I, I'm like, I'm high stakes, bro. I'm, I'm like high stakes. I'm going for the guys that other people don't. Greg, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And all that means by that compliment is I'm old. I've been around a long <laughs> time. 40 years this industry is, and I've been in it 31 years. I'm blessed. I'm lucky. And go Pack Go. Thank you much. There he is, Greg Ambrosius. Make sure you check him out on Twitter, at Greg Ambrosius. What an awesome guy, Joe. And, like, mm -hmm. I mean, it must be for some for you. You must, like, whether it's John Hansen or Ambrosius, you must just love to like hear these guys' stories from back in the day and like over time. Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of times, um, 
I'll ask John Hanson because I remember growing up watching football and and when I, I was a 90s kid, I was born in 86. So, you know, I grew up in the era of NFL primetime and just like where these guys, we didn't have the access that we have. We didn't have Red Zone Channel and we didn't, ha- we didn't get to see these guys play every week. So the highlights were were all we had. And I love talking to, to John Hanson about old days in fantasy. Oh, how good was Emmett Smith? And how really good was Jerry Rice and some of the old calls they made. But I love I loved when Greg comes on uh, either the SiriusXM radio show or or um, or the podcast because I don't have to do much, frankly. I can I can listen to him talk. And Greg's a great source on ADP as well. Like um, I love having him on uh, and talking to him about some of the recent trends because – High stakes guys, they're ahead of the curve when it comes to the trends. So um, it's a good way to look. And we use we use that at Fantasy Points. We use uh, the NFFC ADP because we think it's the best source uh, for ADP because you know these are guys who are putting up real money and they're the ones who should be moving the market. So I love hearing him talk about ADP because he starts to really understand um, understand like what the trends are coming. Matter of fact. Um, uh, one thing I, I'm going to have to ask him here over email is what, what's he seeing on Cam Newton because, uh, in, in his NFFC contest, because that was one of the big moves that happened this past weekend. So he's a great resource on all that stuff as well. I'm glad you brought that up, Joe, before we, we end today's show, I wanted to get your thoughts on Cam Newton at this point as a, as a fantasy yeah. player. So. So um, I actually just took him as my second quarterback, believe it or not, Ross, in an NFFC best ball draft champions for the $25,000 grand prize. I took him as my second quarterback, I think two rounds after I took Josh Allen. And then I handcuffed him with Jared Stidham because, look, I find it hard to believe that the Patriots are actually going to sign Cam Newton and then go with Jared Stidham, but they paid Cam nothing. If Cam's not healthy, if he doesn't take to the offense, they can just get rid of him. Um, so I handcuffed him with Jared Stidham, but you have to acknowledge it raises the ceiling of the Patriot offense. And the thing I really like what it does is I think it helps the backfield a big time. Um, James White has been kind of a guy slipping through the cracks because we, we know he can catch 60, 70, 80 balls a year, but you wonder, Oh God, without Tom Brady, what's going to happen? Well, Cam Newton is a different player than Tom Brady. It goes without saying, but he's, had years, recent years, where throwing the ball to Christian McCaffrey. He was very productive doing that. So I think it opens up for James White. I do not doubt at all that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick have looked at the Ravens offense. And although Cam Newton at this stage of his career and Lamar Jackson are far different players, um, especially in terms of, you know, obviously Cam's size and running style is different than that of Lamar Jackson. I don't doubt some of that designed run stuff is going to find its way into the Patriots offense. So I'm very interested late in my drafts adding Damian Harris, the, the second-year player out of Alabama who played only 10 snaps last year, but he was a third-round pick, and Sony Michelle's coming off yet more knee problems and foot surgery this offseason. So I'm really interested in adding him. I think it raises the ceiling for, for Julian Edelman and it got, uh, raises the ceiling for a big-bodied receiver like Nikhil Harry. Um, Devin Asiasi, the rookie tight end, and one guy that I don't want people to ignore. I'm not saying to draft him in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. I took him in like the 28th round in the best ball draft champions, but they have one receiver on their roster who can run, and his name is Demir Bird. Um, he was with the Arizona Cardinals last year. Apparently, he's been, uh, he impressed them with his speed and in whatever they've seen from him in meetings. Um, so he can run, and that can help with Cam Newton, a big arm quarterback. So I just think it raises the ceiling of the entire offense. And 
I like it because it adds more players to a player pool than I'm willing to draft because I was kind of out on the Patriots in general. I love it. Uh, very well said, Joe. That's the type of analysis you get at Fantasy Points. You use the code FEAST, all caps. You get all of Joe's knowledge. You get Greg Cosell, who will be on tomorrow's Ross Tucker Football Podcast, talking, coincidentally or not, about the quarterback run game, quarterback-centric run game. And you get to try to go against me and Joe in our next Best Ball 10s draft. So all types of good things happen when you go to FantasyPoints.com and use the code FEAST. Check him out on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. All of our shows at Ross Tucker Pod. Totally stuffed. Check out Joe on YouTube. He's not quite as Fantasy Points swagged out this week. He actually has a Titleist hat uh, on this week. Instead of a Fantasy Points hat, I guess he's given up. I guess he doesn't care about his company anymore. I don't know. I'm going to have to text his boss and tell him that Joe is not representing as well as he did a week ago. Uh, check that out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Other than that, I am totally stuffed. That was a meaty episode. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.